blaring our podcast. Nothing is sweeter than Swiftcast. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. And welcome to episode 80 of Swiftcast. This is Nate. Ashley. And Steph. It sounded so weird to hear you say episode 80 because I feel like we're so old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been what? uh, Let's see. A year and a half now, right? Crazy. Yeah. Really getting up there in episode numbers. So did you guys watch the CMAs this past week, even though Taylor wasn't on? I actually did not. I purposefully, happily boycotted them. Yeah. For not being on there, uh, really kind of... Not soured it for me, I guess, but I don't know. So did you watch? Uh, I watched the whole thing, and really it kind of solidified my thinking that she made the right move. Well, that's what I was going to say. I've just been sort of frustrated with them year after year. I know they gave her the pinnacle last year, but I just have felt like, and with honestly a lot of award shows, but especially with the CMAs, that they use Taylor for ratings. They hype up that she's going to be appearing and performing, and then they don't give her the big awards that she should get. Yeah, I agree completely. I think it's evident that they do that too, because for every promo of these award shows, they always put Taylor on it. She's always the top one listed. And then she goes home empty-handed, which I understand you can't win an award every time. Mm -hmm. But in recent years, it's gotten so bad. And with the show I watched on Wednesday, it was like the same people win everything over and over again, year after year. And it's getting so frustrating. It was literally the same exact show as it would have been if she was there or not there. Yeah, but they would have had more viewers if Taylor had been there. And because they knew she wasn't, they bring in Megan Trainer and Ariana Grande. I was going to say that they brought in two artists, pop artists, to come to perform at this thing. And I mean, they're so prideful of the, and nothing against country music or anything like that, but so prideful of how country they really are or, or what defines their genre. And then here they go and they bring in these two other artists. It's kind of like a double standard almost, in my opinion. And I felt like they brought them in because of the huge hole Taylor's non-attendance brings to the show. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating for me, especially after so many years of all these people complaining, Taylor's not country, she needs to leave, go to pop. And then there's these award shows and they just have all these pop people on it now. And no one says a word. I didn't really <laughs> see anything negative. That was my question because I really didn't look the next day, but I was wondering, were people complaining about them too or is it really just a double standard against Taylor? I truly believe it's a double standard against Taylor. I looked on Twitter, looked at some news articles and saw very positive comments about especially Megan Trainer and Miranda Lambert's performance of All About That Bass. And, you know, it was very frustrating to me because if Taylor had been on there, even last year when she performed a very country version of Red mm-hmm. with Vince Gill and Alison Cross. Which was awesome. That was like my favorite performance of that ever. It was amazing, but there was so much flack for her on the award show. Everybody was like, she's not country. This isn't a country song. She shouldn't get that award. It's just very frustrating, but... Yeah. In a way, it was good because I knew she made the right move. Yeah, She needed to get out of there. Maybe someday she'll go back. Who knows? But at this point in time, it's not the right place for her to be. Yeah, good for her. I agree. 
Totally. And I do think that if she does go back years later, maybe they'll actually appreciate her more, if for nothing else, just the viewers that she brings that nobody else can. Yeah, I think they already realize the hole that she's leaving in the genre. The hosts, Carrie and Brad, made kind of a joke, but I think they were being serious about this postpartum Taylor Swift disorder, PPTSD. Oh, that's what that stands for. <laughs> yeah, they said it's a huge epidemic. They said they need the president to do something about it because Taylor is now pop and she's in New York instead of Nashville. And Brad Paisley said, in all sincerity, we wish Taylor the best of luck. And if she ever wants to come back here, there's a seat for her. He joked that it was Blake Shelton's seat that she could take. <laughs> but this became a worldwide trend on Twitter pretty quickly. And so I think everybody recognized what a hole there is. That's the only way I can describe it is mm -hmm. just a gaping hole in the whole award show without her presence. Well, I hope she does actually come back one day. It's almost like leaving the nest and then coming back to show how awesome you are, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she should do it anytime soon. I think this mm -hmm. pop thing is really working out for her. Mm -hmm. I think she's got at least a couple more awesome pop albums. And then maybe as she gets a little older, she'll go back and do like an all acoustic mm -hmm. country thing. That would be cool. That would be cool. But also another reason why I think this award show showed she made the right move. There are just like no females at all in country music. She needs to go to a different genre that actually is very embracing of females like sure. pop. Mm -hmm. There are so many girls just dominating. I can only name two, well, two mainstream anyway, country singers right now. Miranda Lambert, Carrie Underwood. That's it. That's all I know. And that's exactly what it is. I just read an article today about how if you look at the top 30 songs right now on country radio, it's Miranda and Carrie. That's it. Wow. And even between the two of them, Miranda is pretty much the only one who ever takes home awards. Yeah. It's frustrating, but I think hopefully for all of you, hopefully you all felt the same way whether you watched the show or not, but she made the right move. This was the perfect time to make the move too. I totally agree. Well, uh, without further ado, we have all kinds of other news, too, to talk about. Yeah, it's been a pretty eventful week. It's been crazy, to say the least. <laughs> we thought release week was crazy. This was even worse. <laughs> so, first, the most important piece of news of the whole entire week that we were all waiting for, 1989 broke the record and sold 1,287,000 copies in the first week. Woo! <laughs> if you guys don't know, that is pretty incredible. So she's now the first artist literally ever to have three separate weeks of selling over a million copies. As the first week. Yeah, that's incredible. I think what Backstreet Boys and NSYNC are the only others who had two million selling first weeks. And that was back when everybody still bought CDs. Right. Mm -hmm. That was before iTunes and basically the digital age, I guess. So. And the other really cool thing is that I just heard, she's projected to sell 400000 in the second week, which will be the second highest selling week of the whole year. So all the other albums that have been released this whole year haven't even hit 400000 That's insane. <laughs> Yay, Taylor. Good for her. She's really doing it again. <laughs> Although part of me was like, why didn't the people who bought the 400000 this week buy them the first week? So she could have broken Britney Spears' record for the most selling <laughs> as a female act. It was like 1.3, and Taylor was so close. 
Yeah, but all the people buying it this week are probably people like us who are just going back and buying even more copies than just what they bought else. last week. <laughs> yeah, I did go back and buy more, so that's <laughs> definitely a possibility. But we'll beat Britney's record with the next album, I think. What's really cool is that it's always been, every album has increased. It's never dropped down. She's just on a complete upward climb. Well, I want to know, now that it's over, who all won the Swift Stakes? Oh, yeah, that should be uh, announced, what, next week? Is that right? It should be, yeah. They said November 20th. Hmm. But hey, if these albums that she keeps releasing keep breaking her own previous records, dare I say, album six, whoa, there it is. <laughs> I wonder how that's going to do. So. <laughs> I can't wait. We're already saying album six. Album six. It's official, people. I'm the first <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> Another really exciting thing last week, Taylor just randomly on Monday morning decides to <laughs> announce the 1989 World Tour. Just randomly. Just the tour, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like for Red, it was so planned. She had the whole mm -hmm. thing on TV with all the dates listed. And here it was just like Monday morning, you wake up and there are the tour dates. I was in the middle of getting ready and I literally dropped my hairbrush and then stopped everything I was doing and just went on the internet for like 30 <laughs> minutes and was totally late, like completely screwed up my whole morning. I was not emotionally <laughs> prepared for that. We knew it was coming, but I did not feel prepared at all either. I really thought it would be like at least a, hey, tune in to whatever for a big announcement. Exactly. The tour will kick off in May in Tokyo, Japan. Taylor just announced two dates there this past week while she was doing promotion for 1989 there. And some tickets are already on sale. So make sure that you go to taylorswift.com. All the dates are listed, pre-sale information, and you can find everything you need there. It's pretty exciting for Tokyo that usually they have to go so long in between seeing her, but she's coming back there first when she was just there at the end of Red. Yeah. I wonder if some of them are disappointed, though. Like, what are we going to do between now and Album 6 touring? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, some more exciting news. If you guys have not heard, Taylor's next single is going to be Blank Space. Yay! So, anyway, uh, she's going to be performing it at the AMAs, actually, on November 23rd. I have a feeling that is going to be the best Taylor Award Show performance of all time. Oh, I really hope so. I yeah. think it will be. Yeah, I've already started hearing the song on the radio. I think it's going to beat the Haters Gonna Hate 22 performance, I think. That was a good one, too. That was a good one. I wish she would have released that track from that performance, because it was kind of it was slightly different. It had like a little bit of a techno vibe to it. It was cool. I like that. Anyway, for Blank Space, just stay tuned for our discussion, actually, of the song later in this episode. So in other award show news, Taylor was just announced to have three People's Choice Awards nominations. Those are for Favorite Female Artist, Favorite Pop Artist, and Favorite Song for Shake It Off. And those are going to air in January. You can vote starting right now, so go to peopleschoice.com and vote for that. And hopefully she attends. I think she has in the past. Yeah, she definitely has. So we'll see. Actually, the EMA MTV Awards were today, and she was up for two, but she did not attend because she went to see Austin perform in a play at Notre Dame, which was really nice. All of a sudden, yeah, I just started seeing on Twitter, Taylor's in Indiana, Taylor's in Indiana. I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> apparently, that was why. Yeah, so she didn't go to the show, and she didn't win any of the awards, but... I thought it was really nice that she went from doing all of her promo in Japan and went straight to support her brother. That was really cool. 
Well, speaking of the EMAs, I watched it just for a couple minutes and I just so happened to turn it on right when Ed was performing. And oh my God, he was performing thinking out loud and I nearly fell on the floor. It was so good. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, me too. He's always amazing, but he had this girl dancing on the stage and that's not descriptive at all, but it was just, it was a really amazing performance and I just wanted to watch it over and over, but I need to go find it and watch it again. It was great. Going back to the thing about Austin, I recall what Mama Swift was telling us at the rooftop concert after party, and she was just talking about the relationship, both Taylor and Austin, you know, and she was saying about how they're so close, like they're the most loving brother and sister, which I thought was very nice. But then again, at times, they also have their brother-sister bickering moments, which I thought was kind of funny. So, One big piece of news that happened this week that became actually really huge, which I actually didn't really understand, but Taylor took her whole catalog of music off of Spotify, and it seemed to create a lot of varying reactions, some positive, some negative. And she actually did an interview You can find this with Yahoo. It's called Exclusive. Taylor Swift on Bean Pops Instantly Platinum Wonder and Why She's Paddling Against the Streams. This was written by Chris Willman, who actually attended a secret session. So it's a really, really great interview. He asks really good questions, not like the typical dumb ones. (laughs) So he asked her about this, and she just had a really great response to it. She said... Everything new, like Spotify, feels a bit like a grand experiment, and I'm not willing to contribute my life's work to an experiment that I don't feel fairly compensates the writers, producers, artists, and creators of this music. And we knew that Taylor was against streaming when she wrote her opinion article for the Wall Street Journal this summer, and I was actually really surprised when Shake It Off was on Spotify. And so then when she removed everything, I wasn't surprised at all, but it seemed like so many people were shocked by it. I don't listen to Spotify. I agree with Taylor. I think it waters down the art and it doesn't fairly compensate the artists for it. So I just don't use it. If I like music, I buy it on Mm -hmm. iTunes. Which some people might look at that as like a selfish move, I guess, if that makes sense. But it really isn't. She is a big enough artist to be able to take a stand almost against a company like Spotify by removing all of her music if they're not getting fairly compensated they're not getting fairly compensated and she's doing that to prove a point not only to spotify but possibly to the other artists that agree into that service basically so i understand that i know that when red came out i remember at one point scott borchetta saying that in advance telling people that it's not going to be on spotify for at least i think it was like six months he was like you know we just aren't going to put it on there until later and so i pretty much knew that she wouldn't be putting 1989 on there but i was still kind of surprised that she would go back and take off everything she had on there although i guess we don't really know and i'd be interested to know how many copies of even her old stuff still sells now because it probably actually might be a lot very well could be. I mean, on iTunes, if you plug in Taylor Swift, her top songs are still You Belong With Me Love Story. Like, people are still paying a dollar a song for those, you know? So maybe because she's getting even bigger now and more exposure with this album, Mm -hmm. a lot of people might be looking up and being interested in buying her old stuff, and so they want them to actually buy it, if that's the case, and still not be able to hear it for free. Right. Absolutely. 
So maybe that was part of their thinking, but yeah. it definitely has been such a huge story. I've literally had people that I barely know, but who know that I like Taylor come up to me and be like, why did Taylor take her music off Spotify? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Let me just ask her. <laughs> Let me call her up. <laughs> There's nobody who's not talking about this. It's gotten a lot of attention. And mm -hmm. that was probably, I think, her goal. One thing that Scott said in response to this whole controversy, I guess now it is, he said that he feels like it would be disrespectful to the fans if one fan went out and bought the album and was saying, oh, I just bought this album. It's so great. And then somebody said, oh, I just listened to that for free on Spotify. Why did you bother buying it? And Scott said that would be just really disrespectful to the super fans who go out and buy it. I thought that was really poignant and nice to say, and I agree with him. That's totally true, especially for those of us who've bought, like, I don't even know how many albums <laughs> I've bought now, so. <laughs> 13,000 albums. Yeah. Just alone. Yeah, and I agree. Kind of in relation to that, Taylor said, It didn't feel right to me. I felt like I was saying to my fans, if you create music someday, if you create a painting someday, someone can just walk into a museum, take it off the wall, rip off a corner of it, and it's theirs now and they don't have to pay for it. I didn't like the perception it was putting forth and so I decided to change the way I was doing things. And one thing that's really interesting is ever since she did this, other artists are now pulling their music from Spotify. Jason Aldean was the most recent. And so here we have again Taylor setting the trend. And I think we're going to see even more people pulling their music. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this whole thing. So in a little bit lighter news anyway, a few things are coming up on Taylor's immediate horizon. I feel like there's a theme here. Yeah, just, you know, a small theme, possibly Christmas-themed. <laughs> in December, basically, there are three Jingle Ball shows. First one in L.A. on the 5th, second one in London on the 7th, and the third one in New York City on the 12th. We're going! Yay! Yay! Oh, you guys are. Yeah, it should be a really good time. And then, finally, she will be doing on New Year's Eve, DeClerc's Rockin' New Year's Eve with Ryan Seacrest. So, ooh. So, yeah, that would be really cool. I'm also hoping that, and I'm pretty sure that we will have the 13 Days of Taylor, the highlight of everyone's year coming up. Yes. For New Year's Eve, was it last year that she did one, or was that the year before that I'm thinking? The year before. It was, okay. Right after Red came out. Right, okay. That was also the infamous outing of her and Harry where they were okay. spotted. I was about yeah. to say that. I remember Harry there, so it must have been two years ago. <laughs> well, now it's time for our mini-segments. Lots of Swifty problems this week, many, many of them related to the 1989 tour. Our first one from at I'm a Swifty 1989, and they say, I didn't get tour tickets. Sad face. That's okay. Nobody did. Yeah, brownie face. <laughs> <laughs> Join everybody. Some people did, but yeah, we feel your pain. Our next one is from at TSwiftTO. Tour tickets are very expensive, Swifty problems. I do agree with this. When you compare them to Red, they are yeah. much more expensive. I think it might be partially related to the venue because some venues are much less expensive than others, but it is difficult. Mm -hmm. Both difficult and expensive, yeah. Oof, unfortunately. But I'm sure it'll all iron out in the end. Everyone will be, hopefully, very happy. So, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, our next one comes from at mrose13 on Twitter. And they say, listen to the radio for the first time yesterday since 1989 came out and Blank Space came on. This isn't really a problem, I don't think, but... Yeah, I don't see the problem. <laughs> More of a swifty party, I think. Unless you're driving, that can be dangerous. That could be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, our next one's from at Christina131624, and she said, wanting to meet Taylor and living in New York and never, ever bumping into her. Swifty problems. Maybe one day. You never know. Our next one is from at Aussie Swift underscore 13. Being at work and the boss refuses to play 1989. Swifty problems. Boo. Get a new boss. <laughs> <laughs> Our next one comes from at MX Aquino. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Anyway, on Twitter. And it says, I went to a 1989 fans day and the line was so long. I was like, quote, you were all I wanted, but not like this. Swifty problems. <laughs> I want to know what this 1989 Fans Day is about. Yeah, what is that? I think it may have been in Malaysia. Malaysia? Hmm. I think I read something about it. I've seen photos of these enormous crowds, and I think it was in Malaysia. Oh. For our listeners, email us. Tell us what this thing was. Let us know. Our next one's from at Swifty Natalie, spending all your money on tour tickets, and she added three dollar sign emojis. <laughs> problems. <laughs> Our last one for the week comes from at Meow Zana on Twitter. Taylor just came out with an album and you're like, I want another one. Swifty problems. Yep. Like Nate just said, album six. Album six. It's on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get people way too excited, but you do realize there is a chance she could be writing for it, right? Oof. That's so true. You can't tell me that. I won't be able to finish this episode. <laughs> Did you see the one day she said, I have so many songs that didn't make it on the album. Maybe someday I'll just put them on a CD and no one will want to buy them. <laughs> she said that? She did. And I was like, okay, do that right now. <laughs> People bought when one of the songs came out on iTunes with just a track of static. So I'm pretty sure people would buy this. Yes, we would buy over a million again of songs that did not make it on the album. She could drop a random CD like that with no promo and we would still buy over a million. Yes. Time for Nate's favorite segment. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for the fashion segment. Here we go. See how many things I mispronounced this week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our first one is from the Ellen DeGeneres show, which was on October 22nd. And um, she wore a Dolce & Gabbana pleated cotton and silk jacquard shirt. Yeah? Uh, anyway, 887.50 for that one. So. Don't forget the 50. Yeah, and 50 cents on that to add insult to injury, I guess. <laughs> she also wore, again, Dolce & Gabbana, an embroidered, I don't know what this word is, jacquard, I guess, vest, which is sold out now, so it doesn't even matter. So. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even matter. <laughs> and lastly, a she wore Charlotte Olympia Delphine suede pump. I know what pumps are. Those are shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Which were, oh, wow, $895 for those. Also, again, no longer available. So, Well, our next one is from our favorite event of the month, which was the 1989 Ultimate Secret Session in New York City. And Taylor's dress that she wore to the after party after her performance was so cute, and we all wanted it, until we found out it was $348. And it's called the Torn by Ronnie Kobo, K-O-B-O. It's called the Geraldine dress, and it is available, but $348 makes it kind of tough. Yeah, better than some, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> At least a dress is like a full outfit, you know? It's not like a shirt-pants ensemble thing. I don't know. True. <laughs> it's so cute, though. She looked so good in it. I really just want the TS-1989 necklace that she had. 
Scott bought that for her, right? Yeah, she should make a replica and put it in the store. She should. She's been wearing it everywhere. On November 7th, Taylor was in Tokyo and she held a press conference. And she wore a Marco de Vincenzo polka dot skirt for $1,066.63. I just love when it's the random cents amount. It's so random. The prices are arbitrary anyway. I don't know how they come up with these things. And the skirt she wore with that outfit was $832.06. It was a nice outfit, but that's a lot of money. So our next one comes from the, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Narita International Airport in Tokyo, Japan. I think that was actually right. Oh, I think so. Oh, cool. Um, anyway, that was on, that was yesterday, actually, November 8th, and she wore... This was a very interesting outfit. <laughs> a very interesting outfit. There you go. Aritzia, something like that. Anyway, it is the Sunday Best Steel Sweater. Anyway, 80 bucks for that thing, so... And this was like a purple crop top with a horse on it, right? Yes. It was cute. And then she paired that with an Urban Outfitters Court Shop James High Rise suspender jean. $179 for those. I didn't know suspenders were a thing, but if anyone can pull it off, it's Taylor. She definitely pulled it off, yeah. Some people were flipping out, though, because you could see her belly button, I guess, and everybody always says how you can't ever see it. <laughs> People flip out over a lot of things. It was just funny. So along with that outfit, she had her favorite purse recently from Aldo, the Fred Apolazine bag in the color Bordeaux, which is actually affordable at $50. But then with that, she had for shoes, rag and bone. They're called Care Nubuck ankle boots in the color Bordeaux, but they're $550. Well, it's safe to say every week. Yeah, Taylor has expensive taste, so almost everything she wears. So anyway, thanks to uh, TaySwiftStyle.com for bringing us basically all of Taylor's latest fashion. So yeah, now we're going to be moving on to our main discussion of the week. So we really haven't even had a chance yet to talk about the album because we spent all the last episode talking about release week and all the events. And it's so amazing, the whole album, that we almost didn't even know where to start. I know that we've talked about the songs that she released before it came out, Shake It Off, Welcome to New York, and Out of the Woods, but how do you even take an album with 13 or 16, if you count the bonus tracks, amazing songs, and even start to tackle it? It's really a good question. I mean, I could spend hours on each song talking about each thing, so... So we asked you guys on Twitter today what song you wanted to hear us discuss first on this episode. And a lot of you said Blank Space, which makes sense because it's going to be the next single. So we thought we'd talk about that. And I think what we're going to do is just ask you on Twitter every week which songs you want to hear us talk about. And obviously, if we find out about other singles, we'll talk about those sooner. But I think that's a fun way for us to just jump around and get to cover the whole album. And it's kind of exciting because this is the first time since we've been doing this podcast that Taylor's had new music out, really. Well, new album out, really. Yeah, for sure. So on my first listen to the album, I skipped over... Welcome to New York, because I'd already heard it, so I went straight to Blank Space, and I seriously had to listen to it at least five times before I moved on to the next song. Yeah, I think it's a fan favorite, and I think Taylor knew that, which is why it's the next single. It's like it automatically, instantly was the fan favorite from literally the second that it was released. Pretty much. Yeah. 
In the Rhode Island session, when she played it, everybody loved the song and the sinister faces she was giving and the (laughs) dance moves she was giving. It was actually hilarious. Everyone loved it. Everyone seemed very into it. I think that was one of them when she recently said that she was kind of starting to feel out which ones were the fan favorites. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she knew this was one of them. Well, I knew from the stories that I'd heard that this was the song she'd written as a joke, so I was really intrigued to hear it. So, Nate, when you were at the secret session, did she say anything else about the song that she hasn't, that we've heard about her talking about since then? Nothing that she hasn't said already, so, unfortunately. Okay. Guess what happens in the secret sessions doesn't stay in the secret sessions. I guess not, Taylor. What the (laughs) heck? Yeah, in all honesty, though, no. Still, a great song, really. I think the main point to emphasize about this song is that it is not supposed to be taken literally. It's a a song that was derived from the media's perception of her and her love life, basically. And she writes about that character that the media draws up and what that character, I guess, would say about relationships. So when you look at it from that angle, it's such a much more fun and... I don't know, enjoyable song, I guess, when you actually understand what it's about. Yeah, you know, I think I'm already annoyed because I've (laughs) seen interviews where people ask her about this song. And I watched one a couple days ago and the interviewer said, so you have this song called Blank Space and it's about like relationships. So are you looking for someone to fill that blank space? And I wanted to throw something at my (laughs) And Taylor had to explain like, no, that's not what the song's about. This Mm. is not a real joke Mm. she's not really saying she's insane she's not really saying she's a nightmare dressed like a daydream (laughs) (laughs) so it is risky but i love that she's doing it because i get so tired and i can't imagine how she feels when you see all these news articles listing 15 guys she's dated when half of them you've never seen her with and the other half she maybe had lunch with like once And it's so frustrating and you can write in comments or whatever that it's not true, but people just think what they want to think. And here she's just coming out, hitting the critics hard and saying, no, that's not how it is. And when you listen to the voice memo on this, I think it's really cool how she initially was going to have a lyric like about how those things that you've heard about me somewhere in there and she cut that out. So I think originally she was going in a direction of saying like, this is what you hear about me, and it's not true. But then she decided to just completely embrace this character that the media makes out of her. And I actually really like that she changed the direction of the song that way. I would totally still buy and love and listen to the song of just her muttering half of it, like she did in the voice memo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was really hard to make out what she was saying in the voice memo. But I really liked it. And it was cool how it was the guitar, too. Right. Yeah, it was cool. Because you don't get any guitar sounds, really, in the finished song. And it already got me thinking, even though I know this won't happen, how much I want her to play it acoustically on the B stage. But that's not going to happen. Maybe for album six, right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe if she has another show where the power goes out, like that one show. Oh, yeah. Well, I think just based on the voice memo... I've seen people on Tumblr and Twitter and stuff saying, if you listen to this voice memo, you can still hear the country side of Taylor. But one of my favorite parts was when Martin and Shellback were doing the yelling in the background and Taylor was like, this is like a Nelly 2002 track. (laughs) That's my favorite part. 
Because it really did sound like a Nelly song, what they were doing. It was hilarious. You could just hear how much fun they were having writing that song, too. Just coming up with the initial idea. So it was cool. And she was like, I brought them this idea, and I totally thought they were going to be like, no. (laughs) I think not only is the song fun and catchy, but the lyrics are very clever. I love the don't say I didn't say I didn't warn you part. Obviously, everybody loves the nightmare, just like a daydream line. Just all of the lyrics in that song really are clever and witty. Well, it's so funny to me because obviously before the album came out, several weeks before is when we found out the fragrance was going to be called Incredible Things. And I'm sure most people assumed that was going to be some really powerful lyric (laughs) in one of the songs. Mm -hmm. And it's just a total sarcasm thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a great name for the fragrance. I just wonder what made her decide to go with that. I thought the same thing when we found out the perfume was Incredible Things and we didn't know anything about this song. You know, for me, it's like you're thinking of like Enchanted, all those lyrics, Wonderstruck. The second perfume was named after the title of the song. So I expected some like maybe ballad song. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. When I first heard it, when she played it for us, and then I heard you guys actually talking about it afterward, you know, I didn't want to disappoint you guys, but I'm like, eh, okay. Yeah, it's really not that important, I guess. But, But yeah, it's just kind of funny. You mean when we said this must be a lyric somewhere? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, well, yeah, it's pretty insignificant almost, but <laughs> <laughs> can you believe that we've already heard this song live? No. And I can't believe it's going to be performed on the AMAs. Woo! Already. And some people are speculating that there will be a music video released this week. We know she's already filmed at least two or three. And there were rumors going around that she filmed some music video in a castle in New York City. So I don't know if that would be blank space, but who knows? With the way things have been going with her Monday morning, we might wake up and there will be a new music video. And we'll all go to work with like mismatched (laughs) socks and like Ashley's hairbrush will still be stuck in her hair. (laughs) When we were at the ultimate live secret session you know we kind of knew she couldn't be doing the whole album and she's probably doing four or five songs and we were trying to guess what songs she was going to do before the performance actually started and i don't remember nate do you remember did we predict blank space we did Mm -hmm. because i was so excited when she actually played it yeah predicted style i predicted bad blood which she did not we pretty much knew it would be the three she'd already released and then you said style and yeah yeah I think this was definitely the right choice for the second single. We've said before on many episodes that, well, Nate's definitely said it on many. I've probably only said it on one. But that every single song on the album could be a single. Seriously, it could. But I think this was the perfect second single. Definitely, yeah. I honestly think, and I know she's had a lot of really catchy songs, but that this is one of the catchiest songs she has ever had. Yeah, you know, I think you might be right. Of all time. Well, then I changed my mind because I think of Shake It Off. and Shake It Off. I don't know. I think this is catchier than Shake It Off. I don't know. Just my opinion, of course. But I think a lot of fans are putting Blank Space as their absolute favorite off the album. I don't know that I could even choose an absolute favorite. It's so impossible. How about you guys? Is this your absolute favorite? No. I can't give an absolute favorite. They all are. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah, it's so difficult. <laughs> you know, when I in my first couple listens of the album, there were a couple songs that off the bat I said I didn't like, but I've totally changed my mind and I love all of them. Mm-hmm. So which ones were those? Well, before even the album came out, I did not really like Welcome to New York. 
I knew that I would probably change my mind once I heard it live. Little did I know that would just be a few days later. So that definitely <laughs> helped. I mean, seeing Welcome to New York live on a rooftop with the Empire State Building behind you in New York, you can't really not like the song after that. And I'm trying to remember. Didn't you say Wildest Dreams? I think you told me. Yeah, I didn't like it at first. I was shocked. I really like that song. That is shocking. It's still not my favorite, but I do like it a lot. Fair enough. Huh. Actually, I heard that from several people, too. So it wasn't just you that said that. That they didn't like it? Yeah. Well, not that they didn't like it, but it wasn't their favorite, so. Really? I've been hearing the opposite. I think I was just expecting something different based on the name. I'm not sure exactly what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Well, yeah, Steph, a lot of people have since come around. I don't know if that's the wake or anything that you've kind of experienced, but. I don't know. I loved it. I still love it. For me, it kind of reminds me of Tim McGraw in a way. This like kind of nostalgia, mm -hmm. like remember me in this dress. When you think Tim McGraw, think of that little black dress. I didn't think of that. I can see that. I was going to say that sort of the tone of the song reminded me of Treacherous. Mm. Oh, yeah. Kind of like a bittersweet tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that too. But from what I've been seeing, it seemed to me like Blank Space and Wildest Dreams are at the top of people's favorites. It'll be interesting to see whether Wildest Dreams becomes a single. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think at this point, which I'm probably going to change my mind on every future episode, but if I had to say a favorite of the album right at this minute, I think I would say All You Have to Do Is Stay. Hmm. Oh, good choice. I remember you texting me when you listened to the album, and you are like, oh my god, I've listened to this song about 18 times in a row. I can't even finish the rest I can't of the album. Stop. <laughs> <You're> like, yeah. <laughs> was it, that was all you had to do was stay? 18? Yeah, I just, I mean, maybe that was an exaggeration, but I <laughs> literally had to keep replaying it. I could not stop listening to it. I love that one. I think if I had to choose right now, and it probably would change too, I would go with either I Know Places or Queen. Yeah, I think I Know Places is probably tied with Wildest Dreams as my two least favorites. Really? Oh my gosh, wow. I love I Know Places. I don't know. I like it. I can't exactly explain what it is about it that I don't love. Hmm. I think it's just interesting because it's pretty much saying she could hide a relationship. The lyrics are really clever to me. I really liked just hearing how it started on the voice memo. Yeah, the voice memo sounded so perfect. I feel like her piano rendition sounded even darker than the song itself. Yeah, it did. That's what she emphasized too at the secret session. Because she played you that voice memo, right? Yeah, she did, actually. That was the one voice memo that she played us at the Secret Session. So, And yeah, it was exactly how she envisioned it, I guess. So she wanted this very dark, just tone to this song with this, you know, heavy bass drop. Or not bass drop, but heavy bass to it, I guess. You know, whatever you call it. Heavy beat. I don't know. See, even though I just said it's one of my least favorites, when I actually start thinking about it, I think about all the things that I really like about it. So I guess it's just that the whole album is so good that I have to have some songs that I like less than others because there's so many that are so amazing. But I really do like the whole album. I don't feel the need to skip over any songs when I listen to it, and I can't say that for Red. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing about this album. Even if you have a song that might be your least favorite, quote unquote. It's still a favorite. It's still a favorite and you're still not skipping it, which is why Taylor certainly achieved her goal of making this a cohesive album, mm -hmm. I think. Sometimes when I listened to Red, I, I felt like I was on this huge emotional roller coaster and it was like one minute I'm 22 and the next minute I'm like crying about a scarf and then like <laughs> it just was such a tumultuous 
it was. journey just mm-hmm. listening to that album. <laughs> I can't imagine what it was like to live through it. But this is just, it feels like a story. The whole album feels like a story and it's so cohesive and fluid. There's no skipping anything, which I love. I think one of my absolute favorites has to be This Love. Nathan Chapman. Oh, was that him? Yep. Mm. And it's cool that she did a song with him again. I'm glad she did. Yeah. Well, I think that just proves that she should keep working with him because he's obviously not limited to one type of sound. Right, exactly. Nate, if you had to pick one favorite at this moment, we know it probably would change. What would you pick? (laughs) As far as a favorite, if I can tell you my most listened to the past couple of days, I think that would qualify. I've been listening a lot to Wonderland, actually. I really like the imagery and the beat and just the sound of it. I don't know. It's really a great song. I'm shocked it did not make it onto the main part of the album and that it's a bonus track, I guess. But Yeah, that is one of mine, too. Again, it's like I can't pick a favorite. They're all favorites. But that one... I've been listening to a lot as well. Quite a good song. I truly hope that ends up on tour somehow. Somehow. Please. I think she could do such a great production of that song. And she would make it sound different and like really dark probably. Mm. Like really cool. I feel like we've kind of strayed very far from Blank Space. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back to Blank Space, I guess. I did want to say it has been officially or well, unofficially released, at least on Twitter that I've seen for the single album cover am i right i haven't seen it and the official art supposedly is from one of the polaroids it is actually number 33 in the polaroids if you happen to own them or are able to look it up it's a picture of taylor i think she's in a church i'm not really sure but she's leaning over what appears to be a pew and she i'm just kind of dangling her arm there anyway it's a nice picture and the caption on the polaroid itself for number 33 is boys only want love if it's torture I can see that being the cover because it looks similar to the style of the Shake It Off cover. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing they might have all the single covers for this album be in the Polaroid style like that. Yeah, hopefully. And that line is another one of my favorite lines from the song. Oh, of course. Yeah. I love that whole part of the song. So hopefully that gets released on Taylor's store. As hopefully a numbered single and not a, I'm not even sure, because Shake It Off is still up there. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely like the limited numbered singles. Yeah, so it at least, you know, retains its value that way. One last question for you guys. You know when she says, got a long list of ex-lovers, did you also hear Starbucks? I kept hearing Starbucks. (laughs) No, that's funny. (laughs) I never heard that, but I saw people saying that, and then once I saw that, I could hear it. I heard it maybe the first two times I listened to it, and then I realized she was saying ex-lovers, and then I felt dumb, but then I saw all these (laughs) other people thought the same thing. The one that I mixed up was on Welcome to New York, right at the beginning when she says, heartbeats under coats. What I kept hearing was happy tender coats. I'm like, what What is a tender coat? I'm like... I think I actually heard something similar. Did you? Yeah. I think it took me a few listens to get that one too. But a long list of ex-lovers makes way more sense than Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Although Starbucks makes some sense. (laughs) She does like coffee. (laughs) Well, it's just made me think about the fact that even her saying long list of ex-lovers is just such total sarcasm and so funny. (laughs) Because her actual list is so short. I think when she wrote that, she probably was thinking about those slideshows that have 20 guys she's never met on it. The other thing I really loved 
was the part where it says she gets drunk on jealousy because all of these articles always talk about how she's so emotionally unstable and insecure. And I really like that lyric too. She had a lot of like very on point, just great individual lyrics in that song to comprise the whole thing. It's very well done. So, uh, us over here at Swiftcast, obviously, we very much love this song. Blank Space is awesome. We're very happy it's the next single. If you guys have any thoughts or comments that you'd like to share with us, maybe about Blank Space or about the album or tour or really anything Taylor-related, um, you can always contact us and let us know. We'd be happy to hear anything you guys have to say. You can contact us on Twitter. We're at SwiftCast13. You could send us an email, theswiftcast13 at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash theswiftcast. You can find us on Taylor Connect. Our username is SwiftCast13. Or you can just go to our website website swiftcast13.com and you can contact us through there and just a reminder to press the subscribe button on itunes and it will download the latest episode for you automatically so you can listen to us every single week yay definitely do that so for next week what do you guys think taylor's going to be doing i agree with twitter in thinking that taylor's gonna surprise drop the blank space video on us I read a tweet the other day that said, Taylor should invest in a graveyard for all the people she's killing. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I agree with that. And I also think she's going to hit 400,000 more copies, making it the highest album sale aside from last week of the year, which will be amazing. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if she drops the next music video in the next week, she's going to do something so unbelievably unprecedented. That you just won't even see it coming. I don't know. Oh, really, mate? What makes you think that? Just a whim. I, I... <laughs> Are you withholding inside information from us? I cannot confirm nor deny anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, this video is going to be amazing whenever it comes out. I know it'll be so hilarious and so sassy, and I can't wait to talk about it. I think it is going to be hilarious. I can see her being just acting out the character will be incredible. I think they should have Jimmy in the video. (laughs) We (laughs) love Jimmy. security guard. So anyway, uh, for episode 80, this has been Nate. Ashley. And Steph. Woo! See you next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye! Thanks, guys. Peace out, Swift Scouts. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. The theme song for SwiftCast was written and performed by Sydney and Chuck. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.